With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one chop cheek in Manchester United's defence with absolute content. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith. Hello and welcome once again to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast for a transfer deadline day special. I'm Chris Parsons and as the January transfer window slams shut, I'm joined as usual by two fellow Rams. We've knocked back several derisory bids for his services, is Richard Kutcher. Thank you. And he always claims to be ITK, it's Tom Martin. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll say deadline day special, we just... Happened to be recording on January 31st, just coincidence, really. Um, uh, in- incoming news 15 million pound bid for Richard Kutcher. Interested? Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> I'm here forever, sorry. But well, nonetheless, we'll, we'll look back at the uh, have a look at the ins and outs at Pride Park, mainly outs, let's be honest. Uh, we'll dissect the South London stalemate at Millwall, and we'll check in on Brentford to see if the Derby can see more of the ball on Saturday than we did in September. Firstly, you'll have to help me out of who ram I because I can't actually remember the score. It's, it's eight, 8 4. 8 4. I'm um, ITK. To, to who? Uh, to Kutch. Oh, great. Brilliant. You're I ITK know. on the score of who ram I. But yes. Okay. But not who's winning, it seems. So this is a game where Richard and Tom have to guess the identity of a relatively obscure Derby County player based on a series of clues. The first of which this episode is the following. I played 16 games for Derby County between 1997 and 1999. Wow. Going back again. Fresh off the one from last episode, which is also... 1997 and 1999, 17 games. Correct. I mean, that is... It's not a lot of games. Going to be... Premier League. Central Youth for that tour, an awful signing. Yeah. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll Um, find out. I can't actually remember it was that long ago, but there you go. (laughs) But in terms of 17-18, Derby remain in automatic promotion contention, for for now at least, we're clinging on somewhat. A frustrating goalless draw down at the New Den at Millwall, but a 10th clean sheet in Derby's last 13 league games, and a worthy point nonetheless at a ground where Sheffield United, Middlesbrough and Wolves have all failed to win this season. But I guess there's only really one place to start, Tom, Akechianya's 84th minute disallowed goal. Was he offside? I was of the opinion that he was. I, as soon as the ball was played by Cameron Jerome through the legs of the Millwall defender, uh, I looked across to the linesman straight away and I, I didn't actually celebrate and I was like, I was yeah, you gutted. Did. You did I sort of jumped up and then realised and I was pointing to... I was celebrating linesman. for about five minutes and Tom had to point to, to the linesman to me <laughs> and, I, and I had to point next to the person next to me, I had to point to the linesman as well. I was like, I had to point your head in the direction yeah. of the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah. Dis- disappointing um, that he, wa- he was offside, I didn't really have any qualms about it but Kutch has been doing some research. Well yeah, I freeze-framed it 
um, which is some extensive research in my lunch break <laughs> at, at work today. And for me, he's on side because if you look, and you, you can, I, know, I don't know how trustworthy the, the straight lines on the pitch for where the, the way the grass is cut is, but the defender is stood on the edge of in, on the edge of a, a line of grass, and Akechi Anya is definitely like only a couple of inches behind it. But it looks to me like Anya's on on side. But it was it was really close. But what a fairy tale that would have been if he banged that one in. Curtis Davis said it was a legitimate goal, and Gary Rowett said it was a clear goal. But you're absolutely right; it would have been. It was tight, you know. It was a tight call, I and mean, it was for me. It is the wrong call, and that's frustrating. But it was it was tight, and it did happen very fast. I mean, Tom says in real time it looked to him like it was on um, offside. For me, in real time, I didn't have a concern about it, and I'm normally pretty good at looking at, at the lino. Um, but we're behind the goal, you know. We've got a weird perspective of it. The lino should be looking straight across. He should get it right, but it's a close one, and I'm not spitting, you know, blood over it or anything. But it's frustrating. Let's put it in perspective. One nil derby last night would have been undeserved, and we weren't good enough. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was a t- it was a tight game. I think a draw is probably a fair result. Either team could have nicked it. It was a classic championship Tuesday night fixture. I wouldn't say it, w- it would have been completely undeserved if we'd if we'd won it. But also, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have said that we'd been treated unfairly if we'd lost it. I think it was a pretty close one. We weren't good enough in the final third. We were so solid. I mean, Davis and Keogh. Yeah, you say we weren't good enough, Tom. I mean, overall, perhaps I guess, and we didn't do enough to win the game, but we did more than enough not to lose it, and that's often what it's just about, really, at, at this level at this time of the season. I had little confidence really last night in us going forward. I didn't think we looked like scoring mm. or troubling them at any point. Um, Jordan Archer, the goalkeeper, isn't the greatest of keepers. He's not particularly quick uh, at getting down, and we we never challenged him. And the only time we did, unfortunately, was offside, and we scored. So I thought they were there for the taking. It I was didn't o- know very good. It was obvious to me that Millwall had uh, a game plan in, in the way they defended. Like they didn't they didn't just sit back. What kick lumps out of Vidra? Well, they did, they kick they did definitely kick lumps out of Vidra, but they didn't just sit back. What they did was they forced us to play to the fullbacks, which and our fullbacks aren't in great form at the moment, as we know. And because both our wingers are like inverted wingers, they come in, they want to come inside onto their right foot or inside onto their left foot normally, there's no natural width once you force it to the fullback. So, and what, I was watching the, the goalkeeper and the two centre-backs for Millwall, and what they would do is they'd force us to play wide to Wisdom or Forsyth, and then they'd push up and squeeze, mm, yeah. and then they, and we have to go back to the centre-back or go back to Fawn and Huddleston who are getting deeper and deeper. Wisdom, um, wisdom pops in a couple of half-decent crosses, but yeah. when it comes down to the fullbacks having to deliver... That was where we sort of fell down because no Forsyth had an absolute stinker last For, night uh, against Millwall, didn't he? Forsyth and Wisdom are both capable of putting in top quality crosses. You think of the the Wisdom cross for the Martin goal against Barnsley, um, amongst others, but the the Forsyth cross for Jamie Ward away at Bournemouth a few years back. They've quality crosses of the ball when they when they think about it, and and they've clearly got the capability. But Forsyth's passing and crossing and. Just general all round play last night was terrible. You want to? I, I always want to. I always want to defend him, but he he's he was solid defensively against Millwall. I thought, but with the ball, he just, he had to do so much better on several occasions. Like yeah. he, he's, he's he doesn't panic when he has to clear it, but he often gives it away mm. in in bad positions, and he doesn't make enough use of it in attacking positions. I mean, I know we're going to come on to transfer business, but um, you know, I'd, after that performance and a couple of weeks of, of, of below-par performances, you would have thought a left-back would be would be desirable. Because I just think he, he's just not the same player, whether it's confidence or whether it's just injuries have taken their toll. Not at the moment, no. And I'm not yeah. really happy about, particularly happy about Olsen either, because as we've said several times before, I don't think he defends crosses well enough. Mm. Yeah. Um, the key thing at the moment is for us not to concede and keep this excellent run of defence, um, sort of defensive solidity up. Um, 
if you don't concede, you don't lose, is the old adage. And with Forsyth, there were much a much better defensive unit. So I wouldn't say to get rid of Forsyth, but if there was someone available, I would bring them in. Even though Anya had a goal ruled out, that was you know that that was a sort of the take home point from the uh, from the evening. He, he still made a pretty good impact, didn't he? Overall, he did. Is, is, he, is he now out from the cold? Would you say? I, I, yeah, if he was ever in the cold, I'm, I'm not sure about that because. He was obviously just like a fifth choice striker, um, fifth choice winger essentially before Russell left. And what seems to have happened with um, Rowett is, although he's obviously had people like Shackle and Bent um, and even Martin to an extent and Anya not really close to the first team, he th- he seems to have kept everyone happy. And that meant that when Russell did, you know, now Russell is on the way out apparently, and Anya had to come in. It wasn't like he was bringing back some bitter player. He seems to be bringing back a player that was keen to make a good impression, and he definitely yeah. did that. So it seems to be good man management from Rowett. Didn't feel like anything had changed with Anya, really. No, like. but I thought he was brilliant when he came on. Like Most of the people in the stand we were with, and including ourselves, were kind of joking about him and kind of saying, oh, what's he going to do? I, I, I was you know, kind of upset that Bennett wasn't on the bench instead. But Anya came on, and him and Jerome really, um, you know, really changed the game, I thought. I've forgotten how he plays really because it's been it's that so long fast. since I've seen him. It's, it's pace, it's pace and directness. What we lacked last night was getting in behind Millwall. As Cutch said, um, they drop deep as soon as we pick the ball up in the middle, and their two defensive midfielders also drop deep and allowed us the, the the width. So what we need to do is we need to turn the defenders, and we didn't do that. My question would be, why did it take until the 80th minute for yeah. Barrett to get Anya on when Tom Lawrence was having one of the worst games I've seen him have in a derby shirt? He yeah he also along with Forsyth he had a he had a poor game didn't he coach yeah Tom Lawrence was really frustrating last night he just, just he want, did he wants, not deliver in the final third I mean, he wants he, too many touches doesn't he I think yeah that's the problem, he doesn't release he doesn't release players when he should release players he yeah. holds on to the ball for too long he looks good you know he looks good between the halfway line and, and the final third and he enters the final third and he kind of seems to lose his head and and Vyman had another game where he showed his limitations so the wing the wings areas are a you know. Are a, are a problem area if Feynman isn't going to play if Feynman isn't playing well and Lawrence has more nights like that when we are in trouble out wide what I worry about is that opposing teams are either doubling up on or just treating Vidra particularly roughly like Rowett said afterwards uh, Vids was frustrated with himself he got some tough treatment out there but he's got to make room for himself so he sort of uh, put, the, put the onus on Vidra to not so feel sorry for himself because defenders are kicking lumps out of him. It's a compliment, really, isn't it? That he's dangerous, but he's got to um, be more intelligent. To yeah, all the team have got to, to help create him out. that space. You know, all the team have got to help him out because he was just, all he was doing for a while was going deeper and deeper to get the ball. Yeah, like basically run away from the the centre backs. Yeah, um, which isn't nec- isn't necessarily the best solution. But the team have got to help him out as well to create that space. It's not just on Vidra. I thought. I thought, yeah, the changes did come quite late in general yesterday. I was kind of crying out for Jerome and, and Anya to come on, or Ledley even, you know, much, much earlier in the game. Tom, what did you make of Cameron Jerome? Because he, he came on relatively late on. Um, we will have to hold our hands up and say that we weren't that impressed when he when he came in. No, but, no. Um, you know, Martin looks to be on his way out and Jerome has definitely come in. And we've said, obviously, you're going to support every Derby player as much as you can. And in fairness to him, and Rowett said he's the fastest player at the club. I was like, no, he isn't. 
That's a ridiculous thing to say. But then when he got put over the top, he's absolutely rapid, isn't yeah. he? He's it's still a, got he's still got a fair bit of pace. I was uh, I was impressed with him against Bristol City, and he should have had a penalty. Uh, yes, he sort of falls over. Don't know how to describe that fall, but um, he is definitely fouled and should have had a penalty. Um, and I was impressed with him last night as well. Within a minute of him coming on, he had the turn and shot in the box. Uh, him and Winnell linked up nicely. It's probably all Winnell did, but um, uh, he certainly had the shot on there. And then he did set up Anya's uh, disallowed goal. And um, I think he's got a good good case to start because uh, I think he runs the channels it's a bit like Nugent but for a bit more pace and um, so he might give Vidra a bit more protection there Coach what's the now, what's now the um, sort of the one two three hierarchy Nugent Winnell Jerome. I think Winnell's number three in terms of partnering Vidra hmm. I think Winnell's the, probably the third choice and I think it's between Nugent and Jerome I, I'm with Tom I'd probably give Jerome a start on Saturday I thought Nugent didn't really get into the game on uh, last night uh, Jerome looks I think Jerome would have been yeah, it's it's definitely a hindsight comment, but I think Jerome would have been perfect to start last night actually because yeah, of the, the toughness of the game. Yeah, um, it's a very um, it's a sort of brutal game, it was, wasn't it? Very yeah. intense, really physical, and just, uh, that only suits some of our players. You'd mm. have thought Nugent would have been um, good for that because he's always that sort of slippery, getting getting stuck in there. But, but I didn't see arms. much. Yeah, I didn't see much <laughs> of Nugent last night. Excellent guns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did, he was quite quiet last night. And Jerome, yeah, I think I think give Jerome a start on Saturday. I think mm. see, let's see how he does with Vidra. Absolutely. Yeah. In terms of in the middle, uh, Joe Ledley has yet to regain his place since recovering from a back problem. Um, clearly, Huddleston is going to start, and we're all happy with that because mm. he's sort of back to his best. I think it's fair to say in recent games. So, who gets to nod against Brentford alongside him? Is it Thorne or is it Ledley? It's got to be Ledley for me. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, Thorne is, at the moment, just sort of working his way back into the team. I think he looks slightly off the pace. Yeah. However, um, I worked with some Millwall fans who were there with us last night, obviously in the home end, um, and they said, oh, I was really impressed with your lad in the midfield. Um, and it wasn't Huddleston, it was Thorne who was breaking everything up. So he breaks things up nicely, I think, but then going forward, he didn't seem he to... He gave the ball, the ball away, away a lot. He, mm. gave, he made a lot of very bad simple passes you know yeah, yeah. he made a couple of decisions where he's trying to pull off a, pull off a, a really great pass it didn't pay off and you can kind of excuse that sometimes but there was a lot of balls in the middle of the in the middle of the park which were just kind of 10 yard 12 yard passes which yeah. he completely mishit to the opposition yeah. and that's quite unlike him so yeah i think he would probably benefit from coming out of the team and joe ledley literally never does that and no. I just think Thorne and Huddleston are too, are too similar, really. Yeah, it's very one pace. And that, I think that showed last night because neither of them wanted to go beyond the midfield. They don't complement each other. And that's what those partnerships through the spine of the team are about, aren't they? Mm. I think um, they could if we had two really rapid wingers to get in behind. Um, like Johnny Russell and... Yeah, I think... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, like Lawrence was looking to receive the ball to feet and then do a trick to get to the byline. Um, and what we wanted actually was someone to be in behind so Russell, sorry, Thorne and Huddleston could sort of chip the ball over to them uh, and get in there but that that didn't happen I think the balance of the team wasn't quite right last night you have to, I mean again I feel like we have to do it every episode to salute the, the back five and the team's defensive performance as a whole because uh, Curtis Davis said afterwards and he, he told Rams TV that the longer the game went on the scrappier it got and uh, you know Millwall were just sort of trying to, you know they didn't carve us open at any point but there was sort of uh, there was a lot of times when they could have won just the odd second ball, the odd little flick on, the odd sort of little deflection off a off a sort of scuffed shot from outside the area or something. But we sort of held firm, bodies on the line again and again and again. Keo immense again, wasn't he? Yeah, and but not uh, yeah, not just even bodies on the line like that. That's a given now, I think. But Keo was just two three yards ahead of yeah. of the striker every every time a ball went through. 
he, like me and Tom's brother were just laughing in the first half because it just looked so easy for him. He just read everything. He loves reading. I think he's the biggest <laughs> bookworm in that team. Loves a read. <laughs> he loves a read. Do you, you agree with that, Tom? Yeah, I think we should get a little segment of the O to the back five and every two weeks just have 30 seconds of appreciation. Except Forsyth. <laughs> <laughs> but we, defensively, even Forsyth, I guess. you know. Yeah. It's, a, it's a unit back there. Yeah. Okay? Like, and we can big up Keo and Davis until they score two end goals and... We lose four 0 And that, 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 that there was a, a chance in the second half, and they were on the counter, and it looked like their strikers mm. through, and, and Davis just managed to get his foot in to punt it out for it, a corner. He? Yeah, that was actually really good defending because yeah. he was a yard or so ahead of him, but rather yeah. than try and catch him up Ran and try angles. and get in front of him, he and you know he just sort of got a foot on it and poked it, poked it out of play at the first chance he got. I reckon if it had been on target, Scott Carson would have saved it. He's that good. Yeah. <laughs> didn't have much to do, Carson, did he, against Millwall? That just that one save yeah. from Wallace. Yeah, Jed, Le- Jed Wallace in the second late half. On, which is pretty much straight at him, but he did drill it for a crown of players. Yeah, there was a chance in the first half which he sort of patted down from Tom Elliott up front. Um, I think there might have been a couple of claims of crosses, but he just looks solid. He commands that back, back four well. Uh, I think he's an excellent goalkeeper. Two questionable refereeing decisions then, which have gone against Derby in the last two games. Back-to-back goalless draws. Obviously, the disallowed goal for Akechianya and the penalty claim later on against Bristol City that wasn't I mean you don't want to read into it too much but we talked before about how we did ride our luck at times in that run mm. when we got up to second before Christmas um, do you think maybe it's just sort of levelling out a bit now when, or yeah. do, you, do, you read any, do you read into it in that way at all I don't, I don't really read into it in that way because I don't think that's logical but you know, in theory if there's lots of 50% calls during the season then it should that should even itself out and I think both of them you could say were there were mitigating circumstances as to why they went against us the, the offside one last night was very close it happened at fast speed and Cameron Jerome didn't help although he was fouled Jerome did not help himself with the way he went down I guess what I'm saying is uh, in, in a roundabout way is that we haven't really had any bad luck this season no, no, that, really. that, that I can think of until the, these past two games yeah. uh, it was always going to happen at some point you just get these calls um, by law of averages and it feels like it's happening now but anyway um, so Derby at the time of recording with Brentford coming up next after 29 games are just the one point ahead of Aston Villa in third now um, which did just make that Millwall result all the more frustrating wasn't it when, when Villa nicked a, a late winner Sheffield United yeah but but, but what I winner. think what's, what's important is you can't just you know you can't base your season on other teams results and it's a bad result in the context of that Villa win but as we, as we said before 10 clean sheets in 13 uh, 10 unbeaten haven't lost away since September so I mean I was, I was saying last night and I felt it after the Bristol City game that when you're doing this well and we are doing very well we're second in the league you know it, which everyone should remember that every, when you're doing that well every drop point or every loss becomes an even bigger disaster mm. as you continue to do well yeah. So it's hard. It's hard, but you need to find some perspective. Yeah, the fact is, we have drawn the last two games. We could have lost those last two games. You know, in, in seasons gone by under McLaren and other managers, we would definitely have lost those two games. But if it, if this is our blip and we're still picking up points and keeping clean sheets, then then let, let's let's ride through it and uh, we'll start banging them back in again at the end of February. It's so it's such a truism, isn't it? That it's um, it's harder to uh, to chase than. Than, than be chased if you mm. know what I mean and Curtis Davis actually said that himself he, you know he's, he, he does talk very well in his post-match interviews I must say he said he said it's um, the easy bit's getting there the hard part is staying there and it's just entirely true isn't it yeah, yeah I think more ways than one not just in football <laughs> yes 
well, yeah, I guess so, Coach. <laughs> um, I think he's right. The, the Whenever you get there, someone wants to shoot you down, don't they? And and you go away to places like Millwall and, and Burton and, and Barnsley and that, who are down the bottom of the league, and they they raise their game. And of course they do, and the, the crowd gets behind them, and you do exactly the same. If Derby were to get promoted, Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, etc., you're going to play 110% if that's possible. Um against the teams like Swansea you're not going to get that same atmosphere and the same sort of hope and desire there so it's the same principle it's just in this part of it's in this situation where we have crumbled before um, but anyway it's not coming to that just yet no we're, not, hadn't, we're, we're, not. we're determined not to panic Tom's still got his excited hat on I have yeah he lost a bell last night but um, I'm sure we can get it back on Saturday <laughs> re-accessorise <laughs> when yeah. we uh, beat Brentford should we do a guess should we do, do a guess the goal yeah, love a guess to go. Um, in the previous episode, it was, of course, James Bailey. Remember James Bailey? I do, eh? yeah. In yeah. a 2-2 draw against Queen's Park Rangers in August 2010, we're going to play you a clip of a goal from yesteryear. All you have to do is tell us the opponent, the season, and the scoreline, and we'll give you a shout-out on the next episode. Oh, six correct guesses last time in the last episode yeah, oh, snowed under a few of the usual suspects absolute avalanche of responses <laughs> anyway uh, Kevin James Wood standard uh, Tom Bishop Luke Widowson uh, DCFC Miguel 13 not his real name and <laughs> at Derby County Talk on Twitter and of course your man Hucknall Ram on the DCFCfans.uk forum uh, after the break we're going to talk about Johnny Russell the transfer window we're having a chat to Brentford, see what they make of the game on Saturday, and the rip-roaring conclusion to another Who Ram I. Towards Biscard, who's controlled well. It's away from Hurst. It's a guy, I'll leave it for Kennett. Kenneth cross towards Raziak. It's Gregor Raziak, it's away from two. It's Raziak's one block. Brilliant play from the Derby striker. Powell again. There's Villains. Asanovic. Hello and welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, a Derby County fan podcast. We're going to spend the second half talking about the ins and outs at Derby on this transfer deadline day. Although at the moment, Tom, it's mainly outs, isn't it? And not really any ins. Uh, The biggest one being for me, Johnny Russell making his intentions clear that he wants to play in the MLS Mm -hmm. of all places. Came as a massive surprise to me that. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, massively. Um, It was a strange one because it obviously got announced the other day and then... I was kind of oh there's a shame and then we missed him massively on Tuesday I thought uh, just with his pace and direct running and at first I wasn't too bothered but he's he's a decent enough player um, I think we'll miss him he's been a good servant to the club he's been making good contribution this season particularly obviously I think we all agree he's not the most consistent player and he can be frustrated in the final third like most of our wingers at the moment but you know he does work incredibly hard he has got good pace he, you know, he, he seems disciplined in the way he wants to um, carry out you know, instructions, and uh, he is a bit of a fan's favourite, and he does have sometimes have something a bit special in him. But you know, some fans have been angry about him leaving. I wouldn't take it personally. It seems like it's a family or lifestyle choice. And my bet is, I think the MLS season starts in March. My bet is, is the offer he's got. They've probably said it's even now. Or you know he he might have said I'd rather come at the end of the season see it through and they might have said well it's either now or, or never and uh, that's the only explanation really because the timing does strike us all as being quite odd I mean with his employers being second in the championship 
person on a personal level, he's having a really good season. He scored mm. five this season. Obviously, scored that howler of an own goal against Sheffield United earlier in the season. But five for the season when his best goal scoring return, I think, I think has been ten since he's been here. So on for promotion, on for his best personal season. Um, and at 27, it did seem an odd age and a time in his life and a season to go. But maybe you're right. Maybe that is it. And maybe he, they sort of gave him an ultimatum and said that he has to come now. Yeah, I think he probably did. I know he got married a couple of years ago. I don't know anything about about the person he got married to. But you know, it, it must be it must be a lifestyle family family decision because it is quite early to go to the MLS. Um, and apparently, it's not. Apparently, the wages are less than he's on now. So it's obviously not a money motivated thing either. So yeah. I kind of feel like good luck to him. You know, I mean, it's from a, a shame, li- but from a lifestyle point of view, Tom. I mean, it's sort of much better weather over there. Although most places are better weather than Scotland, but better weather yeah. and and fair say a lower standard. Yeah, I'd say a lower standard overall. Um, but there's still a decent enough standard there. I can imagine him still um, doing pretty well. It's better um, than it was, isn't it? Yeah, it um, is. I mean, I, I used to live, be a big fish. When I lived in New York, I used to go and watch New York City FC play regularly in the MLS, and the standard is definitely, definitely poor. Uh, not poor, but it's just not quite as good as the Championship. Although you have some random players like you know Villa and until recently Perlo there. Um, I think he'll he'll do pretty well. Like you know, as a fast winger, I think he'll mm. he'll do pretty well in that league, but. You know, it's, it's just. I think it's a shame for us. I don't think it's going to ruin our season, but I think we could have done without it. It came at a random time and it came at a bad time when we then didn't really have a replacement and then we've been linked to all sorts of people, most notably James McLean, which seems a non-starter with the the, the demands from West Brom. Um, so if Russell's to go, I do think we're slightly lacking in that wing area, especially as we discussed that earlier today. 208 appearances, 34 goals. Um should Johnny Russell's record have been better? Do you think over five years? Probably. I mean, when when Clough signed him, he signed him as a as a striker down the middle because he came from was it Dundee? He came from yeah. Dundee United. He was a converted yeah. striker, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and and he came with quite a good goal scoring record in Scotland, as do <coughs> a lot of strikers, i.e. Conor Salmon. Um, but you know, he quickly got reverted out wide, and his finishing. I remember in that first few games for us, he did actually finish a few good chances, um, and looked looked quite decent down the middle. But that that kind of final third. Uh, productivity kind of slowed up over a couple of years but you know, he's been a good servant I think that record considering he played mostly on the wing is probably okay but he could definitely have done what's done your favourite Johnny Russell moment Tom without being too sentimental about it uh, there's, there's there's a few that are in there um, but I think the, the standout has to be the, the goal against Forrest in the 5-0 left foot picking the ball up about 30 yards out taking the touch seeing Lee High I think back off and just putting it in the top corner just an absolute like swinger, wasn't yeah. it? But it just... <laughs> thunderbolt into the top corner. So and that view that Sky did of it afterwards, yeah, when uh, they sort of showed the slow mo and uh, Darlow sort of diving despairingly and watching the ball fly into the top corner was uh, made great TV. Brilliant day. Uh, elsewhere at the club, Chris Martin, Jason Shackle, and Darren Bent all out. Chris Martin literally confirmed as we're on, as we're recording at the moment on a season long loan to Reading. Seems a good move for both parties, really, because they're not really going to trouble the top six, you wouldn't have thought, unless they've gone a massive run. And, you know, he's going to get football. Are they paying some of his wages? Because I know the reports today suggested that he was only up for it, or we were only up for it, if Reading were willing to pick up most of his reported 25 grand a week salary. Yeah, I mean, presumably, you'd, you'd think so. A player, Someone like Darren Bent or Jason Shackle, they're probably keen to get them out there, just to get them out of the squad to play some football. I think with Martin... Rowett made it quite clear he's happy for him to stick around so they're probably looking for a decent financial contribution but I think it's a good move for him and Reading because 
Reading, the one thing Reading have lacked this season is, is a striker. They haven't really, yeah. when, when uh, is it Kermagant? What's yeah, the chap's name? Something. When he's not around, they really don't have any striker options. So Chris Martin could fit quite nicely into that team, although they do play a pressing game and that's not really Martin's strength. So we'll it's see. Just, it just seems crazy that it's come to this, that how the situation's gone full circle. It was literally this time last year that Steve McLaren was begging to try and get him back. Yeah. Um, and that's why that's why he got a new contract. And everyone was saying that if he came back, it would uh, you know kickstart a season again. Um, what do you think happened, Tom? Why doesn't he fit in the plans? I think the style of football that Rowett plays doesn't base the team around Martin. Uh, when under McLaren, we we based it around Martin, didn't we? Get the ball wide, get it into the box, finish for Martin. Um, and as Cutch said, he doesn't really do the pressing. He runs around a little bit, chest puffed out, but he doesn't press. Um, as high up the pitch as say Nugent or um, sort of like in the gaps or in, uh, like Vidra does so it doesn't run the channels either which yeah. is what you need to help Vidra or like a quality we, player. we assume Jerome is going to do yeah I would agree I, I think it's a shame um, they, that he's gone and I think it's a shame it's not worked out but I'm not too disappointed I think it's the right move for, for Derby and the right move hopefully for Chris and hopefully Reading will, will take some points of our rivals do you think the moves for Shackle and Darren Bent um, who have moved to Millwall and Burton Albion respectively are indications that neither of those two have a future at the club beyond the end of the season definitely um, if it weren't, hadn't have been for Martin's uh, well absence last year Bent would have got the, the extension because uh, he wouldn't have played so many games um, Shackle has been injured for the best part of a year he was excellent against West Brom in the FA Cup last year but I think he's played one game since then um, and he barely gets in the squad with Pierce's back up I'm happy with Keogh and Davis yeah, they're both going, you know, both towards the end of their contracts, and it probably is the last we'll see of them. Particularly if we get, well, if we get, promoted, I think either way actually, if we get promoted or don't get promoted, I think they'll be off the wage bill mm. come the end of the season. But you know, decent. Both of them they made good contributions to Derby in their in their time. Jack yeah. or Moore maybe in the first first spell, um, and and Darren Ben, you know, has, hasn't really failed us when he has played. Probably one of my all-time favourite Derby goals. The Will, goal Will against Hughes Wolves. to Darren Bent. Yeah, what, what a pass from Hughes and then the volley is absolutely outrageous. So. And you were going to say that. Yeah. Sorry. No, <laughs> very, very good, good answer. <laughs> there, have been, there is one reported in uh, coming in as, again, all this information might change as we're literally recording this with the deadline two hours and 50 minutes away. Um, but Tom, there's nothing that gets you more excited during transfer deadline day than signing a backup goalkeeper. Four. Well, I have to say, <coughs> I'm free and available at the moment, and I've got uh, my excited hat. I'm looking. I'm looking for a new job, so why not? Like Derby, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll take a thousand pound. I'll sit on the bench, and um, yeah, I'll I'll lay off the beer for a little while. <laughs> now, Jason Steele is a good backup. I think he'll do he? fine. Um, he's played for England youth teams, and he was in the Great Britain. He's only a good Olympics. backup if he stays backup. Yeah, that's fine. Carson. Carson is um, his first choice, and it's yeah, but if Carson gets injured, is it is it good enough? Well, obviously, we don't know. Rowett didn't have enough faith in uh, in Mitchell, or did I hear Mitchell's recently that he got he's got a minor injury? Yeah, because Keller Roos on the bench last night. Right, I believe. I thought Roos was uh, was on loan somewhere. No, he's back again. Was he? He's back again. Roos for me is now twenty four, twenty five, um, and he's never looked comfortable as a as a, a championship goalkeeper. Um, being friends with Bristol Rovers fans, he was at Bristol Rovers. They didn't, yeah, good shot stopper. Didn't look like a a league. My uh, my uh, AFC Wimbledon uh, friends re-rated him when he went on there, but I think they were in League Two. I think when he was uh, yeah. at AFC, I think he's a decent keeper and he's obviously huge. But I don't think he's. I, I'm happy with Steele being there. He's experienced. He's got plenty of games under his belt for Middlesbrough and Sunderland. Uh, not Sunderland. Uh, Blackburn. Sorry. Um, 
if if it comes to it and Carson gets injured, which hopefully he won't, um, but if it does, then he's a backup. He can he can do the job. What do you, what do you both think about deadline day on the whole? I mean, we're watching a bit of it earlier before we did this, and it's just a, it's beyond parody now, really, it's isn't a, it? I mean, we're watching Sky Sports News, yeah. and I was on Twitter. I mean, Twitter is the best thing and the worst thing on days like this. But Sky Sports News, for example, did like a a Periscope video of Jim White arriving at work um, and like putting his tie on. And they called him Mr. Deadline Day. Yeah, I mean, for me now, it's just... I'm kind of happy to wait until 11pm and then see what's happened. You know, I'll, I'll just wake up in the morning and find... I don't need to go along the whole journey. I'm definitely not going to bother watching Sky Sports. Uh, I might check Twitter, or t- check in on Twitter or find out if one of you guys texts me. We're going to get it out of the way in the next couple of hours, then focus our attention on Brentford at home on Saturday. One of... Um, is it three home games in a row? I think it is, isn't it? It's Brentford and Norwich... And then because Wednesday's been moved for the cup, I think it's I think it's three home games in a row. But anyway, yeah. we had a chat to uh, the B-Sotted Brentford po- Brentford podcast. We spoke to Billy Grant, who gives intel on how the Bees are doing this season. Will they let us kick the ball this time? Um, and what he thinks the result will be. And here's what he said. Billy, thanks for joining us. So Brentford 11th in the championship before Saturday's game. Five points off the top six. Um, are the Bees still hoping for a late playoff charge in the second half of the season? Yeah, I mean, I'd say so. I think things are looking pretty rosy for Brentford. We had a, a very, very slow start. Um, I know we played Derby at the beginning of the season. We played you in September, and at that time we had won one game. Very frustrating match it was because we had a lot of possession. As, as you know, we had one time, I think we had about 85% possession. So all of that possession, I mean, we didn't have loads of chances, but we played the ball around a lot, and you managed to uh, contain us by basically putting 10 men or 11 men behind the ball, pretty much, and that was pretty for us, for us to break down. Um, we, we, we drew that game one all, and I think it's a week after that we played Bolton on our first match 3-0, but it was pretty much two months into the campaign before we won a, we won a match. You know, to play week in and week out, and you weren't getting the results, we knew there wasn't something quite clicking with us and I think what it is is that we brought in quite a few new players and quite a few young new players because that's what we do for Brentford. We brought Ollie Watkins who was in the second division last season through and straight in the team he cost about one and a half mil. We got Malpay from France who cost round about the same money and uh, so we put these players in and they're still bedding in. You know what I'm saying? So that was that was part of the problem with us so we weren't quite picky but we started to click now and we had went on a wicked run 21 games lost three games in 21, went on an unbeaten run recently, lost the Wolves, and then we lost to Norwich last week, which is a bit unfortunate, but still, fingers crossed. It's, it's very interesting what you say about the possession stats, because that is the sort of line with Brentford, isn't it, that they had 76% possession against Derby in September in that game that finished one all, and I think I checked earlier, they're sort of around fourth in the overall possession rankings for the Championship this season. I mean, what's stopping you from converting all that time on the ball into more goals? Again, like I say, I think it's 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 the players. I mean, our players get a lot of chances. Malpay, for a start, like I said, he's got a lot of chances, but he doesn't convert a lot of them. What we found is when Lasse Vibe, who was supposed to be scoring a lot of goals for Brentford recently, he's been, been he's been injured for most of the season, a lot of the season. So Malpay came in his place. Malpay, who who joined from France in the summer, he wasn't really meant to go straight into the first team, but it's like a baptism of fire for him. He. He's a bit of a pain if you see him. He's up people, you know, he's running around, he's getting in people's faces. But when he gets the chances, he doesn't necessarily convert them. But one thing I did notice about him is that 
he gets loads of chances. And I'm thinking, if you actually converted, you know, half as many chances as you've got, you'd be laughing. But at the moment, he's not converting enough. Now, having a player like um, Romain Sawyer to come in and unlock the defences, or having a player like the Edward Hotter who comes in, runs the people and, and, and unlock the defences, to me, when we get that clicking, that's going to be really quite dangerous for us. But what we're a little bit worried about, Lasse Viva is currently talking to a Chinese team and it looks like he's going to be off. Does that frustrate you at all as a Brentford fan? Because, you know, you mentioned Yotta there who went to Birmingham last season and, and Vibe who you say may be off to China in the next few hours. And then before him, there was sort of Scott Hogan, uh, Andre Gray, Clayton Donaldson to a lesser extent. Does it frustrate you as Brentford fans about, you know, your best players it getting does. cherry picks sort of season after season? Yeah, it does frustrate us. It does because as a fan, you're not interested in the... the even though you are, but you're not interested in the economics, you're not interested in the business side, all you want to do is win. So at the end of the day, if you keep the team together, we'll win. So if we kept this team together that we had now, and had these other elements in there, we'll be in fine shape. But as soon as one of them leaves, as soon as Lasso B leaves, then all of a sudden it's like you're, you're out there and you're, the elements, you, you, you may be doing all right or you might not be. The way that the club operates, they say, tell you something, when Andre Gray left, you all panics. And then the next player came through, which is Vibay, you know. And then when, you know, when um, Scott Hogan left, you all panicked. And then Vibay came back in again and he started scoring more goals and Hotter came and scored more goals. You have to trust us to be doing the right thing. The problem we have is sometimes when players do the business, we don't quite make it. And the following season they leave and we have to get the next one through and it takes him six months or a year or 18 years to come through. When you look at the, the top six at the moment, which of those teams do you see, do you see being up there at the end of the season? I mean, I've seen Derby play on the box, as you see on the, on the Channel 5 TV show and on Sky. You know, I've seen you play on and off. But I must admit, when you came down to Brentford, and this is not a disrespect to Derby, because I've got some good Derby mates, the Punjabi Rams, you know, Nick the Flagman, all them people been chatting to you a lot. But I thought Derby were the worst team to come to Griffin Park this season. And that includes Burton, that includes um, Barnsley. Well, we, uh, we we spoke before, didn't we? And we said how uh, we were talking about the game in September, and how um, you know obviously while Derby were collectively solid defensively and restricted Brentford to just two shots on target in that game, despite all the possession. Obviously, they were poor going forward. And I think uh, you know sort of in response to what you said there, I think a lot of fans would say that Derby was still finding their shape under Rowett at that time in what mid September, yeah. I think it was. And obviously, a lot yeah. of a lot has changed since then. Things have changed since then with Derby. You know, if you would asked me at that moment, I would have said that things have changed, obviously, and you cannot deny the form. You cannot deny that you've got, you know, a wicked away form, not letting in goals away from home, going on this 11-match unbeaten run away from home. Derby County, I think, definitely. Villa, again, was interesting because I thought Villa decidedly average again when we played them, both uh, away from home where we should have beaten them again. Uh, we drew them nil-all, uh, one-all, I think, nil-all, nil-all, one-all. Uh, there's a draw up at Villa Park and then at our place we comprehensively uh, beat them, i say on the pitch at Griffin Park and they put their hands up and said fair, fair play. Um, but you cannot deny they've got money. Scott Hogan has started to find his feet as well after, what, over a year where they obviously had no idea what to do with him for a year. But now um, he's starting to find his feet there. So they're a dangerous side as well. So, I mean, I'm looking at, looking at you and I'm looking at Villa and I'm saying, to be honest with you, if you're talking about the automatic spots, other than that, it, I think it really is a bit of a gamble. Well, let's turn our attention to uh, Saturday then. This time last season, it was a it was a nil nil draw at Pride Park in that phase when Derby just couldn't score for love nor money at the start of the season. Um, obviously, a different story this year. 
How do you see the game going on Saturday? Um, it's going to be an interesting one because obviously you're at home, so you're going to be a little bit more open. Um, he may still sit back a little bit because he knows the way that we play and try to hit us on the break to a certain extent. Not Probably not to the same extent as what you would do at Griffin Park. Defensively, we're looking a lot better. So it could be an interesting and a lot tighter game and hopefully we'll be able to hit you on the break and, and, and do what we need to do. Before you go, Billy, what do you see the score being on at the weekend? <laughs> Yeah, OK. I can't... I mean, the fact that Brentford haven't been Derby at Pride Park in the league since 1992. Uh, we beat them in the League Cup in 2003. We're at the baseball ground in 1992, but, you, I mean, no, you, you yeah, haven't beaten us since... Uh... <laughs> I probably would have that game as well. It's not been a good hunting ground for the Bees, but I don't believe in that old history nonsense. I believe whatever happens on the day happens on the day. I think we might actually go out there and nick it 1-0... Billy, so you've said 1-0 Brentford. I've said early to you 1-0 Derby. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us on the phone and uh, all the best for the rest of the season. Okay, nice one. It's fair to say that a lot's changed for, for us since we played Brentford in September, isn't it? We're, we're all at that game when Derby only had 24% possession. Apparently I was at it. <laughs> You've tried to erase it from your memory, but it's still there. Obviously, it's a completely different circumstances now, as we said then. Tom, how do you see it going? Do you reckon we can get back to winning ways? I think it's going to be tight, um, as we talked about earlier. I quite like to see Jerome uh, up front and have a bit of pace. Um, I think we we can keep the ball a lot better than we did on that night. Um, I'm going 2-1, and I think we might fall behind early on. Do you reckon we'll concede a goal? Mm, I think so. A rare goal. Keown Davis breached for the first time in... Um, yeah, 47 hours. Scott Carson own goal off the back of his head from a shot. <laughs> I've got a horrible feeling it's going to be another nil-nil. Before we get on to uh, who am I? Let me. There's my phone. You can get in touch with us, Tom. How can people get in touch with us? Oh, this is a. You real, know this. This is a real test. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We love to hear you uh, at Steve Bloomer Pod. Uh, we're also on Instagram, so check us there. Uh, and you can email us for those of you uh, who use the email. Um, Steve Bloomer's washing at gmail.com um, it's great to hear all your shouts and uh, all your suggestions and stuff like that textbook just like we rehearsed yeah thanks <laughs> uh, while you're there why not subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy it you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud if you're feeling really generous why not leave us a little rating or review on iTunes we appreciate all the feedback as we said and it's very nice of you to get in touch now then the business end of the podcast oh yes at the start of the episode I told you that I played 16 games for Derby County between 1997 and 1999. Tom! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was Tom that time. Go on, Tom. Uh, I've got a few guesses here, but my guess one. here on, is going to be Ian Everett. Wrong. Kutch. Um Mikel Beck. Also what? wrong. 16 games? Yeah, I thought you played Holly Everett. He was rubbish, but... Clue number two. I was a fullback. Tom, uh, Paul Parker. Wrong. Kutch. Tony Dorigo. Also wrong. (laughs) Great shout, Tony Dorigo. Clue number three. I don't know if this helps, but I'm five foot eight. I'm five foot eight. I'm a right back. And I was born in August 1977. So he's 10 years older than me, so he's 14 now. So he was 30 when he played for us. 21 when he played for us. So a young right back who played for Derby 16 times between 1997 and 1999. Uh, right back to my speciality, of course. You've had your guess, pipe yeah. down. All my guesses have gone out the window. I had some really good... Like, Mark Bridge Wilkinson was knocking about in my head. Incorrect. <laughs> well, he was not a right back. I know he wasn't. He, was, he went on to play great in the Championship match. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, this is this is. I've played this enough times now to know that this is the clue where Tom's going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> After playing for Derby, my other clubs included uh, Port Vale, Bradford City. Tom James Meredith. Oh, it's wrong. You went oh. too early. Unbelievable scenes. I thought it was James Meredith. I don't know. Actually, I'm, I'm going to finish the clue. Go for it. If you're going to jump in like that. Yeah, yeah you got the first It was Bradford City. I was waiting for you to say Rude. Bradford City. My former uh, play, clubs I played for after Derby included Port Vale, Bradford City, Sheffield United and Barnsley. Loves a bit Yorkshire. Does this ginger right back. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah, I can now see him. The, co- the cogs are whirring. Yeah. Got nothing. The hamster's in the wheel. Got nothing. Maybe it's not. Maybe this is going to be the ones that you uh, that you don't get. Um, Ginger, right yeah. back. Wearing those good kits. Have we got any more clues, Chris? Um, <laughs> Not much more I can say about him. <laughs> in March 1999, I signed for Sheffield United as part of a swap deal that took Vaspor Bokis yeah. to Derby. Um, I don't know. Give us some initials. My initials are RK. Oh, Tom. Uh, about time no. come on no it's not I've just had the no no it's Sorry. gone no it's gone I mean I've told you literally every fact about <laughs> yeah. this person apart on the from internet. the whole spelling <clears throat> I've got nothing I don't think I've ever heard of this player you, you definitely have let's go let's go for it again okay. one more is time it, is it I'm an English ginger right back who played 16 games for Derby between 97 and 99 I went on to play for Sheffield United and Barnsley and my initials are RK <laughs> I think this might have to be a might, I might have to must be a rollover. I, d- I don't even know what to do in this situation. Well, I just tell can, you the answer. Can we just can we yeah? Give us an answer. Cut this <laughs> <laughs> and then do another one. Um, are there any more clues I can give you? Um, God, this is more. I spent eight years at Sheffield United. Richard, Robert Kozluk. Yes. Oh, jeez. Yes. <laughs> that time. Oh, I remember him. Yeah. Sheffield United, Barnsley. Yeah. <clears throat> Swap deal with uh, Vossil Babakis. <laughs> Ginger. Ginger. Yeah. <laughs> Five, I don't remember five him, for eight. I always imagine him being brunette. Wow, that was emotional for all concerned. Uh, well, thanks for listening in the meantime. I'm going to leave it there for now. Our next episode will be with just me and you, Richard. Yep, Tom's, Tom's going on a school America. trip. So until then, um, Tom, thanks for your time as always. Yeah, thanks very much. Richard, cheers. Thank you. See you again soon. <laughs>